This is Afterbirth, the fourth and more postpartum support group brought to you by Preggers Can Be Choosers. In this podcast, we offer peer-to-peer support, not paid psychotherapy. We try to offer support and personal experiences over solutions. If you find yourself in need of more support, the Postpartum Support International or PSI Warm Line is 1-800-944-4773. You can also send a text message to 503-894-9453. English and Spanish options are available. If you'd like to join our conversation live, we meet every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Need a reminder? You can sign up for text alerts at www.preggers.rock. Lastly, if you find this podcast helpful, please consider sponsoring this group for 99 cents a month. And don't forget to share this podcast with friends and family who may find it helpful too. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, my name is Ro and Two Sisters. I'm one third of Preggers Can Be Choosers and we're here at the Afterbirth and more what's the postpartum support group, but also pregnancy support group, plus you just need some bitches support group, or non-bitches, we don't care. Um, we're just happy to have you. My name's Rowan. I'm doing fine. Everything's good. How are you doing? Let's start with Bev. Hey, I'm Bev, um, mother of four. Um, we have been recovering from coronavirus, and um, we're doing a lot better now. Um, a lot of it has just been emotionally recovering, mentally recovering. Uh, my son had it the worst, but I mean, it really wasn't that bad. It was like three days of sickness and he did feel like crap, but nothing, um, nothing extreme. And then my daughter came down with it and then I felt like crap for a day. Um, but we're back on our feet now, pretty much. Um, still not doing school. But besides that, I'm just trying to get back into, um, I guess, some kind of routine and trying to get stuff done around the house and still just holding on and trying not to go crazy and, you know, trying to find things for the kids to do. But we're all feeling better and, um, I'm just really glad that it is all gone and over with now. And I hope that we don't ever have to deal with it again. I'm glad you're feeling better. Um, I also hope that you don't have to deal with it again. I, um, so we went and got the antibodies test, which means that we have antibodies, but in Texas, they're only testing for, oh, I'm sorry, I'm Maggie, <laughs> um, mother of one four-year-old and one on the way, any day down, maybe. Um, um, so I talked to, doing a little research, in Texas, they're only testing for the antibodies, antibodies of COVID-19. There's a bunch of mutated versions out there. The mutated versions are what's affecting children. So it's good that you've been exposed to that. Um, uh, You can be exposed to like three different kinds at once or one type. Um, But one of the big things that they're 
saying right now is that just because you have been exposed and you have the antibodies doesn't mean that you can't get another mutated version of coronavirus. So still just make sure that you're being extra cautious because no one wants to get sick like that again. Um, I have a question as to you're, you're feeling better. How's your breathing? Like respiratory um, system doing and also for your kids. Cause I know for me, when I stopped, having symptoms I still had like a hard time breathing for like I'm gonna say two three weeks so um just monitor your breathing making make sure that you're getting a lot of a lot of air um we we actually haven't struggled with that um I think my my son I think maybe for a day was saying that it was not hard to breathe but I think his chest hurt or something like that. Those were the days that he was at his dad's house. So I didn't see that in person. Um, Once he came home after those couple days, he was completely fine. Like he, he wasn't having any issues after that. And um, it also wasn't something that I was struggling with. I was really concerned about my other daughter. She didn't come down with any symptoms, but she has asthma. So I was really hoping that she didn't get it and she didn't. So um, yeah, grateful for that, but we didn't have any issues with that. So I do think that we just got, we just got really lucky. Um, he just had a high fever and just felt like crap and had body aches. And, um, I think that was it. I mean, just very lethargic for a couple of days, but that was, that was the worst of it. I'm super happy to hear you guys for all Monday. I was worried about you last week. Yeah, Bev, you scared us. Okay, who else would like to introduce himself? Hey, I'm Caitlin. I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and we've had a lot going on. Last week was really rough, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. Hi, I'm Tiffany, mom of two girls. Um, We live in Baltimore. Um, Yeah, it's been quite the emotional roller coaster over the past week or so. Um, yeah, but we're getting through it. Hey, I'm Dr. B. I'm part of Progress Can Be Choosers and our mental health director and um, super pumped about my microgreens. I've been talking about these little tiny seeds and microgreens and food growing um, probably since March when my sister told me this is what we're doing now, which really means this is what I'm doing now. <laughs> and I finally have, um, maybe I can post them in the group, some show and tell. So I actually have little tiny trees growing on a tray times two. Um, and I've never successfully grown anything from a seed ever. Um, I had a brown thumb for a really long time and then green thumb for plants. And now apparently I can grow microgreen seeds when I follow specific instructions it's the virgo side of my libraness so september at libras unite that's what i got 
Right on. Well, that's everybody. And for now, so I wanted to uh, check in because Caitlin and I usually hop on the call first. And so um, Caitlin had a big week last week. And I think it kind of speaks to different things that we all go through as parents. So, um, uh, well, it's a specific topic and it's, you know, not especially navigate easy to navigate. So like a lot of parenting, by the way. So uh, Caitlin, take it away. So last Tuesday, um, my son has been growing his hair out for the last two years because he wanted to look like his aunties, like he loves her hair and wanted long hair like hers. Um, Tuesday, he asked me for a haircut and I was like, okay, like we try and honor when he wants to change that because it's something he should be allowed to control and everything. So um, I'm not a hairstylist. I'm not very good at it or anything like that, but I do what I can. Um, cause I wasn't taking him anywhere because of this whole thing. So I got him like set up, I got clippers out, I got it all out and got him set up and I, um, was standing behind him and I was like, oh, so, you know, what, what made you change your mind? Like, why do you want a haircut? And he just started crying and said, so I can be a boy. And my heart shattered and I called the whole fucking thing off. I was like, we're not doing, we're not doing this. Like, this is not. This is not the reason that I want you to cut your hair. We obviously need to have a big talk about this um, because long hair or short hair does not make you a boy. Um, so then I talked with my husband and we both talked to him and we showed him examples of men with long hair, like Aquaman and, you know, like, <laughs> and, you know, superheroes with long hair like Thor and, you know, all the things. And so, of course, then he was like, okay, well, I don't really want. I don't want to cut my hair anymore. Like, that's not really what I wanted. Um, and then later in the week, he decided he wanted his hair cut because um, he was tired of brushing it. And I know that that's a big thing for him is that he didn't want to brush it anymore and it was getting really tangled all the time and it was painful and whatever. So um, went ahead, did his haircut. He kind of got a buzz cut because that's what I can do. <laughs> like, that's what I kind of know how to do, right? It's not... Not anything fancy, not anything special, but we did cut off all of his hair. And I cried a bunch of ugly tears because I know that it's partially um, partially because he wanted, he thought that would make him more of a boy. And I mean, he's happy as, as ever, right? He feels like he's himself. He's, it's definitely the right choice, but it was just really hard to navigate because then all of a sudden you're like, well, what makes me a boy? And you're like, I don't know how to answer that without it being another stereotype on top of it. Like, oh, well, boys like this and boys like that, or because you have a penis. And I'm like, these are all examples of, that are not going to work, right? That I also don't want him to take to his friends and share. And it was just, it was a fucking lot to try and navigate and still like honor what he wants to be, you know, and how he wants to present himself but trying to navigate a topic that he's at an age at five, that everything still fits in nice little boxes. And this is not something that fits in a nice little box. And the words just don't, I don't have the right words for him. And I talked with a one of my cousins who's um, non-conforming and she gave me some ideas, but, and then I tried to talk to him with those ideas and he's still just, it's not like, sinking in he's not getting it like it's that you know there's not specific things that make you a boy or girl and it was just it was a lot so I cried a lot of ugly tears 
and he's happy as can be with his haircut just so everyone knows he feels like he's very much himself now which made it the right choice but it didn't make the like rest of it any easier so yeah hey y'all we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna get right back to it getting back to our real talk after birth style Um, I'm a little bit on the opposite. I mean, we're kind of going through the same thing with my youngest daughter wants long hair because she wants to make sure that everyone knows that she's a girl. She wants everything pink. She wants to wear dresses. She wants fancy shoes. She wants to be a princess. She wants to make sure everyone knows she's a girl. She does not want to be called dude, man, boy, pal, anything. She wants everyone to know that she's a girl. And even she gets offended at, you know, even the suggestion of playing pretend as a boy or a prince or anything but anything feminine. So I've tried to have a little bit of conversation like, that's not what makes you a girl. Boys can like pink. Boys have long hair too all of these things. Um, but there hasn't been change or anything like that. Um, I try to talk about it when she doesn't bring it up so that I let her know that this is like a normal thing that, you know, people think about or want to do or even let her know, you know, you don't always have to be a girl if you don't want to be and things like that. But um, the hair is definitely like, that's the important thing right now. She likes her hair long. Um, her older sister is, don't you want to cut your hair? Don't you want to cut your hair? No, I want long hair to, so I can be a girl. And also like, I, I also don't know how to, you know, present different options or, you know, let her know that there are kids out there who maybe were born girls and then all of a sudden they just feel like they want to be boys. Like it's, it's really hard to navigate, especially at the age she's at. But even with your son, I know he's a little bit older than my youngest. So, um, he's definitely getting more outside influence. And like you said, talking to friends and friend influence which also comes from other family members so it's yeah it's really hard and that's a really hard part of it is because I know it's coming from school he won't tell me which kids are telling him that like that it's specific you know he won't tell me because that's you know it's like kid code man um but I just feel like they've also changed him from saying oh I my favorite color is pink because my son's favorite color has been pink since he was two years old since he could say the word pink since he could choose a favorite color, it's been pink. And uh, now all of a sudden, because he's in school, he wants short hair to be a boy and he doesn't like pink because pink's a girl color. So now his favorite color is red, which is very much like a lateral shift to me. It's like the closest thing to pink without it being like tease worthy, if you will. Um, so he, it's like he's trying to just mask his his things so I just I feel like I'm starting to lose pieces of him that I knew I might lose but I'm just feeling like it's a really ingenuine loss you know 
um, that it's not because he chose it, it's because someone else is making him feel like he should choose something different. I'm gonna chime in. When my son was about two and a half, he was very verbal and he had beautiful long hair. My husband's hair is longer than mine. It is gorgeous. I'm envious of him on a daily basis. Um, but his daycare teacher actually called him a little girl because of his hair. So not only did I have to have a huge conversation with my kid about how boys have long hair like daddy, but I had to rip that teacher a new one um, for just identifying my kid as, as anything other than himself. Um, I have big feelings for you right now. Like I feel mad and angry at these kids because I've, I've, I've been through something similar. Um, on Sunday, my kid asked for a haircut also. So I said, okay, we're just going to cut a little bit. He goes, yes, I just want it out of my eyes because his hair is kind of like, it's like a shag. And um, I cut it and he cried and he cried and he cried. And he told me he hated it and that he wanted it back. And I am so happy that you paused and asked your son, like, so what made you change your mind? Because I didn't do that. He'd just been, he just kept saying he wanted it out of his face. And I, I, wish, I, I wish I had done that. I wish I had paused and asked him, are you sure you want this haircut? Because I just, I just, just trimmed this right here, but still, big feelings for you right now. <laughs> I put in the um, chat the gender person or genderbread.org and it's the gender person and it's designed for taking the concept of like gender and um, sexuality and orientation and because um, sex and gender being two different things, right? Um, but it helps you kind of um, break it down into like bite-sized things to chat with um, with kids. And interestingly enough, like I just... Um, I've been working on some zines. I um, hired a zine doula <laughs> to kind of sit with me once a week to help me like kind of make some zines that I want to host on the back of the um, the back page of the Preggers.rocks website, a secret zine club, if you will. And she said that zines are designed to make huge topics into little bite-sized chunks. And I wonder, you know, if there's other, and because I think zines are kind of fun, right? Because you can fold them and look at them and stuff and draw pictures. So um, if there's an art project opportunity, it could be, you know, what makes a boy or something making it into a zine, because, of course, I think everybody should do stuff with zines. But the genderbread.org, um, that's a website designed for breaking gender into, you know, discussionable chunks. And for those who are listening later, like I identify as non-binary, um, I'm queer. My last um, three partners have all been gender blurred. And in fact, when I met my last husband, um, he was actively taking testosterone shots to um, have the male body that reflected who he felt like he was on the inside. And then he dialed it back and stopped taking testosterone. And this is interesting, I think, just in general, because um, he was used to passing. He was a very small woman. So then when he became um, transitioned into a more male body, male presenting body, that like his, um, his body thickened up and stuff. So he was used to like kind of navigating the world as like a small pixie-ish type woman. And then um, as he became male presenting, he would try and talk to kids and stuff like he had done his whole life. And people automatically thought he was a perv or weird. 
or whatever. And he actually couldn't, um, and I still use the pronouns he, but he, they, she, he goes, it doesn't matter because they all fit. But he couldn't lose his identity as a mother. That was the key thing that kept my, um, excuse me, former spouse from transitioning all the way into male, which I thought was really interesting for somebody who like was zero maternal, but had a son at 18 and um, didn't want to um, lose that identity as Matthew's mother. In fact, um, Matthew was a very, um, he's a very good uh, trumpet player. This always made me laugh. And so uh, my former partner's name is Trey. And so Matthew was trying out for something like state trumpet playing or something when he was in high school. And so the guy who was um, assessing, like, you know, listening or the judge or whatever came out and said, oh, are you Matthew? And he goes, actually, I'm his mother. I'll go get him. That's just one of my favorite stories that you get confused by with your 15-year-old son, you know. Um, but that's what testosterone did. It made Trey's body more masculine, but still made him look really young, you know, like he stayed very young looking. So anyway, I feel like I've been in the trenches a lot with like gender and sexual identity and gender expression and how it changes. And I think my first experience of like kind of gender blurring was when Dr. B and I were kids, we were like, I don't know, 18, 19, 20, 21 in that area. And we, every time we went to the hardware store, they were complete assholes to us. So I noticed that one day I was wearing like big jeans and a, it was the nineties. Okay. So I was wearing a plaid shirt, you know, like you do in the nineties. And so I looked like a lumberjack going to the, um, the hardware store and dudes were so much more chill with me. Like the people selling stuff, they weren't like, if I didn't know something, they didn't talk to me like I was an idiot. They just taught me what I needed. I was like, I'm never going to the hardware store looking femme again. Uh -uh 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 -uh. So like that was, you know, 92, 94. You graduated high school in 94. Is that right? Yeah. So it was around that time. So um, I've been gender blurring all these years, but it was really interesting. What makes a girl makes a boy. And we didn't have cool things like the genderbread.org and, um, I remember talking to my kids about stuff. So anyway, I hope that's um, supportive and I hope that's a resource for you. Oh, and my youngest kid, my youngest daughter, Rose, everything had to be pink. It had to be Barbies. It had to be dresses. It had to be skirts. She had to wear, she had to change like four times a day. Like the laundry was exhausting. I would get so pissed. I'm like, I'm not doing all this fucking laundry. Forget it, kid. Whatever you wore to school, that's what you're going to keep wearing. I don't care if this skirt is more frilly or more lace or more eyelets or whatever. And now she's a big old dyke and she wears jeans and t-shirts and mostly black. So it can be just a phase. I don't know. Caitlin, are you feeling like you, um, um, that he's like openly communicating with you about all of this also? Like, you know, he, he expressed to you like that he wants to identify as a boy. And, um, do you think that like that line of communication is like still there like, open or do you feel like he's pulling back a little bit? I think it's exact. Like I know he's very much identifying as a boy. There's nothing that would convince me otherwise at this point. Like, um, we've always said if you want him to dress up like a princess, yeah, he's got an Anna costume downstairs with little heels and all the things. Like, because one day he wanted to be Anna. Great, be Anna for a day. Like, whenever you want to be Anna, great. 
Um, but he's still very much boy in every other way. I think it was just, it just gets overwhelming because you feel like your kids making choices based off of uninformed or bad information. And so that's where I just got really upset, but he's always, you know, been really confident in his choices. And I think that's part of it too, is I feel like he's starting to lose some of that confidence because when he was, you know, uninfluenced by other children, he would scream from the rooftops that his favorite color was pink. And now he's starting to retreat a little bit. And I don't know if it's just because it's of the age that he's at, that he's like, Oh, not everyone does that. (laughs) And it's starting to, you know, I think some of it's just growing up and like deciding what you want to share. And some of it is just, it's just changing, right? Like he's growing up. And I think that's part of it too, is that he's growing up making different choices and it's, but I, I, I don't think that he's going to stop talking to me about it because obviously we're trying to honor the requests that he's making. Did your husband um, participate in the conversations or was he able to connect with him in a different way coming from dad than rather than yeah. coming from mom? Yeah, so my husband also um, has gone through uh, life lots of times with super long curly hair um, you know like down to here uh, so we have pictures of dad with long hair he's had to cut it because he's in corporate America but it's, uh, I mean we, he's seen Nathan with lots of long hair he's so that's not even a part of it either is like dad has long hair too or has had long hair and he's seen that so there's um, but it, it's almost like we just have to keep reminding our kids that just because somebody else told you this doesn't make it right or doesn't make it true. But yeah, my husband is the one, like we both, like when I told him what happened, we both, I told him and then we waited until we could both talk to him together so that everyone was a part of the conversation. And it was, yeah, it was just a big to do. And it was just a, like a lot to handle over the week trying to figure out how to have this conversation at an age-appropriate level and understanding. Nathan cried a little bit. He, like, he got pretty sad. He was pretty sad. Over the situation, not over the actual haircut. I cried over all of it. Let those tears flow. (laughs) Right on. I remember, um, I think some of it, like the stigma, like, cause you're out in more rural thing too. Like, um, after a hurricane, I had a friend staying with me from, um, Italy. Well, he's from the States, but he lived in Italy part-time. He's married to, um, the husband of one of my good friends. And so after a hurricane, he was outside, like cleaning stuff up and, you know, everybody's home more and stuff. And there was tree limbs everywhere. And Johnny was like throwing stuff out. And he had like one of those like muscle cut, um, with the shoulders off the muscle t-shirts you know with like no shoulder you know and it kind of like had it was like had big armholes you know and it was like screaming pink and so somebody and we lived in a pretty rough neighborhood in the neighborhood one of the guys walked by and was like hey man why do you why are you wearing that pink shirt and he goes uh because it's my favorite pink shirt it's my favorite comfortable tank top and it's hot out here and he goes well and we had no electricity for three weeks it was that one and uh they're like well what if somebody sees you wearing that and he goes so and he goes well somebody might think you're gay 
how Johnny goes. Who cares if I'm gay? It doesn't make a difference about how I wear the shirt or how I clean up these branches, you know? And it was like, because I think that's what everything dolls back to is if you wear pink, you might be gay or you might be identified as feminine, right? That's the real problem. Um, so I think there's some, you know, the hidden biases of liking pink or whatever. Um, I just wanted to say something real quick to you, Caitlin, because this brought me back to um, when I was in cosmetology school, I cut a lot of hair and um, there was one girl that came in with her mom. She was probably like 10 or 11 years old and she had hair all the way down her back and her mom wanted her to cut her hair shoulder length. And, um, she, the little girl did not want to cut her hair at all. And she was being forced to by her mom. And I like left my station and went to my teacher and said, I don't want to do this haircut. Like this girl does not want her haircut. And I was told if that's what the mom is telling you to do, then you need to do it. And I cut the hair and, um, I've never, like, I've never felt guilty about cutting someone's hair before until then and I was absolutely heartbroken and I told myself like once I you know have my own job and stuff that's never ever ever going to happen again um there there are a lot of kids out there that are forced to be and act a certain way because of their parents and I just wanted to like remind you that your your kids have the best mom that they could have like with you know what I mean like you were made to be their mom and you're doing everything that you can to support them. And he knows that if he ever needs to come to you and, and ask you something or tell you something like you're going to listen and you're going to be there for him. And it doesn't matter if he wants to be Elsa or Anna or, you know, play with trucks or like pink or blue, it doesn't matter to you. And that's, what's important. And all of our kids are going to have outside influence at some point or another. Um, and there's nothing we can do about that except let them know that we're open to them coming to us with any issue and that they can trust us. So you're doing everything that you can. Thanks, girl. And I, like, I was so excited to come to group today because I was like, no one in this group is going to go, oh, well, you're just blowing that out of proportion, you know, and I was really excited to just know that y'all are supportive. Like, I knew that I wouldn't be coming, walking into the wrong place to talk about this, so thanks for for all being open-minded and knowing that this is an issue and it's bigger than just my kid wanting a haircut. Like, And that this is a good thing to navigate and figure out because it's going to come up again and again and again, right? So kind of getting it figured out now or at least getting the beginning of it figured out now is a great idea. And I'm really proud of this group. Like, we've looked at some gritty stuff. Like, you know, two people, I'll never forget, all of us going, oh, shit. And Bev holding a newborn when somebody said, when we were, like, talking about the options of terminating a pregnancy, you know, and like Bev, you were holding uh, Gemma and I don't know, she was like less than like a month old or something. And so I just really thought, wow, what a group. We can really support each other wherever we're at. And that's what we're about here. You know, we don't care. We're just here to support you. So, yeah. And pink is a big deal. Pink and 
being forced to choose anything you don't want is a big deal. I'm glad you felt safe to say it. Can we, can we touch on, I don't, and I don't know if you as a group have done this before, but talking to children about consent, because I'm, I'm trying to uh, prepare Ronan for when the baby gets here and the baby not going to be verbal and like talking about consent and like, oh, if the baby cries, maybe don't touch him and, you know kind of looping I'm, I'm trying to navigate that right now I've been doing a lot of research uh my friend Camilla sent me a link to Planned Parenthood and I downloaded the little worksheet that they have but it's a little over his head and I'm having a hard time breaking it down to his level um and I was gonna order the C is for consent book but then it also seems maybe that it's like a little um like I don't think it's gonna click for him so if anyone has any input, uh, I would love some feedback on talking to your children about consent. How old is he again? He is four. He's four. Okay. Yeah. I know for my boys, we try and model consent as best we can by um, always asking if someone wants a hug, asking the question first. And then respecting whatever that whatever that choice is. So like my my two and a half year old now understands like I'm not going to give him a hug or kiss unless I ask him first and he says yes. And if he says no, like I can't do that, right? So like me modeling that behavior with my four year old is helping me with my two and a half year old now as well. But I think if you keep if if you're able to ask him for his consent he'll start going, oh, maybe I should do that too. Or go, hey, you didn't ask me. I would really not like to be touched right now. Um, and things like that. And just because it's, I feel like my kids at least learned best from me when I showed them. Because if I told them that that wasn't acceptable, it was like one ear out the other, not working. And it was like a daily in and out, every moment asking for consent to really kind of get that nailed down so do you mean like asking him would you like a hug or can i have a hug all of it can i give okay. you a kiss so I can wasn't, i give you a I wasn't hug sure if there was can like a, i have a difference yeah okay yeah, so all of it right because all of it's asking for consent because you're asking hey can i give you a hug yes you can give me a hug which means yeah i want the hug um can i have a hug from you no, I don't want to give you a hug right now. You have to accept that he might not be willing to give you give or receive in either direction, right? Because then it's also an open conversation. Um, so that it it also is showing him that he's allowed to ask for things and allowed to say no to both requests. Does that make sense? And when it comes to baby, you're probably going to have to speak for baby at this point while they're nonverbal, right? Oh, honey, he's still crying. I don't think he really wants a hug right now. Oh, that might have hurt the way you tried to move him. Or I'm sorry, I don't know if you're having a boy or girl. Um, I don't remember if we you shared that or not. Um, you know, just 
reading baby's clues and trying to communicate to him what baby's cues might be and that baby is offering consent or not based on their cues. Yeah, like Rowan, Rowan's saying there. We are having a bit of a hard time with that lately. Um, my youngest wants to climb on her sister and ride her like a horse and, um, you know, like do all these things that might, you know, sometimes Lily's into it, sometimes she's not. But Willow's having a hard time respecting the no. And she just wants to lay on people and you know uh be physical and i don't know if it's just because everyone's home all the time or she just wants attention um typically what happens is you know we reiterate lily said no please get it off of her um and usually it comes down to one of us picking willow up off of lily um, if she's not listening, which, you know, when you're talking about, when Caitlin's talking about it, that, that breaks the consent too. mom and dad, just going up to her and picking her up because we didn't ask her, can I help you get off of your sister? Can I redirect you? Can I redirect your body to another room? So, you know, even just talking about it is helping me to realize that she might be breaking consent. Because mom and dad are breaking consent by just, you know, with our um, discipline, we're just picking her up and moving her to a different room. So she's not able to consent for herself in that way either. The way I would word something like that with my kids is, your brother has said no, you can either get off of him yourself or I can move you. Those are your two choices. And if you don't get off of him yourself, know that I'm going to move you because I have to respect the no, but then I also have to give him the the other one, the the two options, right? And by him making either either way, he's making a choice, right? In that way, because um, it it could be dangerous, right? Like that same same situation could end up dangerous if you don't step in. So that's just if that's how I would word it for my my boys. They are in the wrestling phase. I I agree, Dr. B. It is it is a complex situation to try and explain to him. And I'm just trying to prepare him because he is he is a hugger. He is he is a little love bug, but I also that like he knows like okay when people say stop, we stop. So like if we're you know tickling or something, I'll um, be tickling him and he'll say stop and I stop immediately. But if it's vice versa, he doesn't always stop and I say okay, Ronan, what do we do when someone says stop and he'll stop and he goes we stop and I'm like okay cool. So he's got that part down, but I'm more like, I don't know, I'm just trying to, I'm still trying to figure out navigating, like, having a nonverbal baby and have, teaching him those cues. So 
yeah, talking for the infant will probably have to come into play um, a bit. Um, thanks for this feedback, guys. I often think like consent, one of the basic ways that you show consent or can teach consent is when folks are nursing. Because I would hear people say, I just told you no, and you look down and then there's a kid on your boob. Like this is for like older kids that you've nursed in the past a year or whatever. But um, like I just told you no, and here you are on me again and touching me and nursing and stuff. And then I would always ask, well, you didn't consent to that. So why are you, because they're like, okay, fine, you know, and it was like, it's not really sending a good message about consent. So I think that's a thing too, like, um, and I don't know how you want to work that into nursing now, but like even, you know, you could be nursing the new baby and be like, oh yeah, I consent to this or whatever, however you want to narrate it. But that might be an idea too. I'm also going to put in the notes, there's something called the wheel of consent. And I'm trying to see if there's an application for um, parenting with it, but it's a really great idea. And I always um, share it when I'm doing body work, but there's the idea that there's the um, the consent for somebody to give a gift and receive a gift. And so um, it's a little bit complex and it's more than I can just talk about right on the fly. But I'll put the link in here and it might be another way to kind of think about consent. And I do feel like there are back episodes where we talked about this. So I don't know if we dive deeper in other other episodes, but I feel like we've done this before. Just in case, Maggie, you wanted to look for more, more stuff. I did just find something called a three-minute game, and it's about to touch and consent. So I'm going to put that in the link, and that might be something you can do with um, – uh, I remember I've done it before, but it lets you talk about how you're touching, and um, I don't know. So it might be a helpful tool to, like, actually have a doing activity. So I'll put that in the link and stuff. And I know that we've talked about consent before, but I don't remember, and I don't think that I documented it very well in the show notes. So boo to me. Sorry, folks. I think there's a lot of pressure on you guys as parents to get this right. Um, like as a therapist who works with people that live in worst case scenario, Bill, right? Like what if I don't teach my kid consent and, you know, they don't learn it at a young age, what will happen as an adult? And I think it's okay to just like, I don't know if that's y'all's experience. I just see it a lot in the work that I do. And just to remember that you guys are laying the foundation for things um, and the success of your parenting, the success of your family and the success of your kid's family, but it's okay for it to be really messy and wobbly. And that's kind of how we figure out stuff. Like that's how, you know, Rowan and I were raised as children. Like we watched our parents figure stuff out. And I think now with the internet and books and, you know, all these parenting groups that, 
it's hard to mess up or hard to learn stuff on the fly or even change your mind. Like maybe it's not a mess up. Maybe you're like, oh, I thought I would do peaceful parenting, but really, you know, this whole brain child situation is a much better fit. Or, you know, I didn't know about that, you know, until I heard about this thing or it, you know, okay that it, we don't end up in the same place that we had um, and that we kind of learn stuff and new stuff is coming all the time. Like, I don't, we didn't talk about consent when I was a kid and we talk about consent now we talk about food. And I just think that you guys are doing a really good job. And the fact that you are even just awake to your parenting is a win. Um, and it's messy and grody and you guys are doing excellently, especially because you're here and you guys are talking about it. So I just wanted to give y'all some props on, you know, just thinking about this, just kind of running it through and asking and, and, and that we don't shame each other for asking these questions. Like, we're just going to be like, oh yeah, how the hell did we do that? Oops, fucked that up. Like now what do we do? Right. So we can just love each other, even through damage control. So I just wanted to give y'all a little props, props, props. I feel like a bunch of parenting is just damage control. You're like, oh shit, that didn't go well. Well, here we are. I just assume at some point both my children will need therapy because of me, and that's cool. Sometimes I think I still need therapy because of my children. <laughs> it's kind of like what we're doing right now. <laughs> and I have quite a few parents who figure out level of personal abuse from their parents from parenting. So they don't realize what they went through. It's kind of like, we don't realize what happened in our life was inappropriate or as children were like, oh, we thought that was normal because we're living in our vacuum and we don't really know outside families and other things. And so you guys, um, I don't have children, I have a dog, but as you guys start to parent, you know, that I've started to see abuse, familial abuse kind of rise up and either the re-traumatization or the triggering or just the holy shit, this was my childhood. And the, the advocacy of having a different childhood for your children is very, the fancy school or we call it like dissonance, you know, where you have like, this is what I thought and this is the reality. And then it just, you know, comes together and it's like, oh my God. And that's a really good time to, to go to a support group, come here, go to therapy to just process that. So you don't lay that trip on your kids by, you know, I think that's how helicopter parents were born is, you know, out of the seventies and eighties, you know, it's like, Oh, it's just latchkey kid, whatevs. And then the opposite end of the spectrum, you know, when we were getting kidnapped and shit like that in the eighties, then here comes hel helicopter parents, you know, but it doesn't have to be so this or that black or white. And so just having compassion for your own parenting process, as you figure out your own, ways that you were parented and just like, oh my God. And not everybody was abused, but sometimes we can see some sticky points or some gross stuff. 
Um, and as a therapist, it's always okay to get therapy. I go to therapy. Um, you know, it's been a really helpful tool. It's why I became a therapist. So um, it's not always for everybody though. And it's not in everybody's budget and it's not available to everybody. And I get that, but I want everybody to have it like vitamins. Let's see a show of hands of people who like go to therapy or have a therapist or like me and camp in 12 step meetings. No shame for those of you who didn't raise your hand. I won't call you out. So people on the podcast listening later don't know it's our secret. Okay. I go to something that's similar to therapy. I, I'm, I'm in a mentorship program. So I'm, I don't know if we can count that because it's not traditional therapy or even like, but it's, I guess I'll, I'll raise my hand. Um, I just want to say, I grew up in a very white, very Northeastern atmosphere, and I never fit in. Um, I was called gypsy all the time in like a non-derogatory way. That's just like, like gypsy and weirdo. And I survived. There's a lot of things from my upbringing that my husband thinks are very bizarre, like the way that I talk with my parents. I call them by their first names. Um, I have done that since I can remember. They're Mary Kay and Damien, that's it. Um, and how my husband, he's like, so we're not gonna do that with our kids. And it's just kind of like navigating all of these new, newer things. And, and honestly, compassion and empathy were not things that I was raised around. And so once I got to an age where I started to make these bigger decisions for myself. Um, I have always since just made sure like, okay, if I have a kid, like my kid is going to be empathetic and passionate and I'm going to teach him love because he, me growing up, like my parents never hugged me. Almost never. But now like my mom sees me with my son and she's so proud of me. And she says, like, I never did any of this stuff with you. And, but she gives me huge props for doing it with my kid. And you can see her almost trying to step into the mother role that she never did before. Because she sees me leading by example. And, I, and I, so sometimes, you know, that that's just like another angle. And, and I think it's been really, really cool. Um, the last like eight years developing this relationship with my mom that I, that I didn't have. So, um, yeah. Can we do a quick check-in for those of us who are in the dead moms club? How do we do on mother's day? I'm in the dead moms group. Um, I've always had mixed feelings about Mother's Day. And even though I have children now, I still have mixed feelings about it. Um, they brought me breakfast.
breakfast in bed and then I went to hoop class with Susie and when we're outside Willow says to Lily hey let's go be naughty like right in front of me so that that pretty much sums up the rest of the day was like damage control of just being a brat and I was just tried to not let it get to me that much I had a great Mother's Day for myself. Um, I was treated well, um, but I got really upset at my husband because at the end of the day, I was like, hey, did you call your mom? Did you call your, did you text your mom? And he's like, I just sent her a quick text. And I was like, got really, really upset because like you have the option to call your mom and you did. And I got pissed, but um, again, I would do things different, but. I sent my mother-in-law a text, but I don't, like, if I call her, she thinks something's wrong. So it's better if I send her a text. So I sent her a text, but he sent her a text and didn't call or anything like that. And that just kind of upset me from the dead mom's club there. So that's how I felt about that. Like Rowan and I sat around and watched uh, Frankie and Gracie or whatever the name of that show is, because it's something I think if my mom were here, we would have been at her house watching. Um, and it reminds me of like her age kind of. And um, although I find that show very funny now that I'm over 40, like, hello, um, my hip hurting. Yes. Um, so like we watched a lot of that and and tried to like stay in that vibe and I smelled her first thing in the morning which was incredible she hasn't really been around a lot and I was like drinking this like this mug was hers you know or at her house and I had that same mug and it was clean it's clean today um and I smelled her and I was like oh okay you know it was pretty fascinating and you know like same thing I told my husband like did you call your mom did you text your mom you know like you've got one um, but that's like his journey, but it's frustrating when it's different than what I can do and what I want. And I'm not particularly close with my stepmother, but, um, I think this might be the first mother's day after her mother died. Oh, it's the second. Okay. It seemed like maybe the other one was like really close after she died. And, uh, I just sent her compassion, you know, just really, I think about that, how people post it on Facebook, like I'm thinking about you, la la la. And I really was quiet. Um, I tend to get inside myself when I'm processing and thinking and I don't check on people as much as I would love. Um, but I think about people and I just kind of sent people a little like zhuzh, um, who are in the dead mom club. So, and I sent my text, a text to my stepmother, probably the first time ever on mother's day, just checking on her, telling her, you know, I know it's hard and sorry. So. And Rowan, I loved your post that we got to read everyone's like one-liners from their moms. That was pretty great. Oh yeah, that was good. Because Susan always said, be sweet. And we're like, I don't care about that. Um, Susan was a bra-burning feminist. Like, she'll kill you. Be sweet. Because to me, it, it turns into like acquiesce and, you know, be playing the social niceties, which Susan was not about at all. We also called her mom by her first name. Or like, it was inner. First. you know mom Susan about the same so 
Um, yeah, and we Susan really loved Frank and Gracie or Gracie and Frankie or however that show is because she said she's the one who told me about it and I was like, oh, mom, I don't want to watch this show, but um, now I'd watch every episode ever with her, you know. So, and we had a very complex relationship. Like our mom was really cold and distant, and she had been raised in a really cold and distant um, family, and um, you know it was hard on her. And having a mom that you weren't having, you know, a mom that's transitioned out of physical form that you weren't close to is just as hard as having one that you were close to. You know, it's all this unresolved stuff. So, alrighty. Well, we're at time. Good for us. I'm going to call this the damage control issue um, episode, and because uh, it's good but we're doing a good job together and uh, we'll just keep showing up and being here together. So uh, if you have a hot topic for next week, bring it on, but um, I'm going to unmute us now. Oh, I do have to say, I'm going to try and make fasole, vegan fasole on Friday from this Toto, 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 Toto Verde, Toto Verde um, cookbook that I'm, my sister hopefully has ordered for me because she told me she would. Um, but I took an online Zoom cooking class, you know, from this lady. And it was good because let me just talk about this cookbook for a second. Um, she said that, you know, like she's a hardcore Latinx girl woman from um, L.A. And so somebody asked her, like, how do you get La Raza and uh, the traditional peeps to not eat cheese and beef and all this stuff? You know, because how are you going to eat pozole without these things or a taco or a quesadilla or whatever. And she goes, that's the food of the colonizers. We didn't eat that before they came. I was like, that's right, sister. So um, I'm making all this because my body likes to eat vegan and plant-based foods. And that's just how it is right now. I don't know if I'll ever eat a regular quesadilla again in my life and that's okay. But um, so I'm making this, you know, like I feel like such a, like a viva la resistance, you know, type person making my Toto Verde pozole. So I'm hopefully, I thought I would do it today, but it's not, it doesn't want me to make it today. So I'm going to make it Friday. So I'll tell you guys how it went. So anyway, um, Tiff, real quick, when are you moving into your house? Did we miss that already? No, that's coming up soon. Um, we don't know. Okay. It's okay. shifted to we don't know. Okay. All right. One of my um midwife, one of my um, she's on midwife, she's a doula client, is um, moving into our house like on Friday, and I was like, dude, okay. So, but that's good because she's having a home birth, so we need to make sure that she has her baby where she wants to. So. Okay, well, just however we can support and clap and cheer with your moving, we're down. Okay, well, unmute yourselves, and we'll love each other up, and I'll see you next week. Love you guys. Thank you. Love bye, y'all. Love, love you. Guys. Bye. Bye. Have a good day. Bye. Love you. Bye. Are you wanting to join in the conversation but keep missing us live? Then sign up for text reminders at www.preggers.rocks. That's www.preggers dot R-O-C-K-S. And we'll see you Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. Oh, thank you.